Welcome to Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker. Today, I'm going to share with you a story about a father and son that are in opposing games. I've been working on this for a while now, right? I did times with the Pops a few decades ago uh, in another prison. So I wrote him and asked for permission to share his story. You know, he hit back, let me know it was cool, whatever. But he also wrote me a few letters, you know, providing me with a few details that I didn't know about. You know what I'm saying? I'm excited about that, excited to share that with you. You know what I'm saying? So from time to time, I'm gonna be referring back to the letter and telling the story as I knew it, you know what I mean? Combining the two to give you a full flavor, you know, and I hope you enjoy it. But as, it, as always, uh, don't get it twisted. I'm not trying to glorify crime. I'm just giving you how it is, you know, because I think this story is important because I think people need to be aware and understand that, you know, most of the time, we're looking at the back end when people are committing the crimes, when, they're full-fledged all the way into the lifestyle. I want to go back and see how that person became the person that he is today. You feel what I'm saying? So through this story, I hope to uh, reveal to you the insidious uh, gang life, you know what I'm saying, and how it is, you know, when even when it involves a father and son, it can be treacherous, right? And so today's story is titled Rivals. The story you are about to hear is true. The names, locations, and affiliations have been changed to protect the actual participants. Any similarities to other events is purely coincidental. And he started his letter off like this, right? Dear Joe, I'm a gangster. You know this. My parents were gangsters. I grew up in a violent environment. When I was 15, my parents were killed in a shootout with a rival gang. Going to the police, cooperating with the police for any reason wasn't an option for me. I was taught to retaliate. That was my normal. So before your listeners judge me and look at me in a negative way, I want them to listen to my story and hear what my reality was like so they can see and understand how I became the person that I am. My name is Chris, and this is my story. There's gotta be some way to stop this vicious cycle. Death to all my rivals, death to all my rivals. Success to my affiliates and all my idols But death to all my rivals, death to all my rivals It's gotta be some way to stop this vicious cycle Death to all my rivals, death to all my rivals Success to my affiliates and all my idols But death to all my rivals, death to all my rivals One of ours, we kill one of yours It's a vicious cycle Money and drugs up in the mix just keeps the interest heightened on so when I catch you, clash up the titans If I can't shoot you, I'ma fight you Knuckle up and knife you Cause in my hood, yo, it's all about survival Watching my opposition through the crosshairs of a rifle Dog light, it wasn't enough crap to let the light through Welcome to doing time with Joe, we'll show about the rivals Joe, my parents joined the game when they were 16 One year later, my mom was pregnant with me I was born September the 2nd, 1974. By the time I was three years old, I knew how to throw up gang signs. My first day in kindergarten, I noticed that the teachers treated the gang, the kids of the gang members differently. That let us do, they let us do whatever we wanted to do. They were afraid to correct our behavior. That, to me, laid the foundation. It let me know that people treated people in gangs differently. As a kid, I didn't know it was a negative treatment. I thought we were special. We can do whatever we wanted to do. I didn't understand that. And our parents, 
They didn't hide the fact that they were gang members. In fact, they found it. That was my norm. That's what I saw every day. You feel me? When I was in school, my mother and father sold drugs. As far as I could tell, we had it pretty good. We lived in a modest sized house in the middle of the hood. Mostly everybody in the neighborhood was gangsters. You feel what I'm saying? As a kid, I didn't realize how run down the neighborhood was. Seeing cars up and down the street all day, all night, people looking for drugs and prostitutes and whatever else was going on. That was my normal. That was a common thing for me to see. It was shaping me. I didn't understand that. None of us did. We didn't understand what was going on. None of us did. That was our normal, right? When I was eight, I saw my father shoot a man in the head because he owed him money. When my father saw me watching him, he just looked at me and told me to go back in the house. That night, I had nightmares about that man being shot in the head. I never looked at my father the same after that day. Never. It wasn't like I was afraid of him, I guess. It was just I got the sense that he was dangerous. You know what I mean? The way he acted, it was like the whole ordeal. It confused me. This wasn't the man that I saw in the house. You feel what I'm saying? He was calm about the whole ordeal. So from that day on, I started to keep my distance. I didn't understand what was going on, so moms tried to explain to me to say the things to me that pops couldn't say or wouldn't say that he loved me. Moms did all of that. She knew how to make me feel safe. It wasn't him anymore. You feel what I'm saying? Because I saw this thing that he did and there was no explanation, but it molded me. It started to shape the way I saw the world. I didn't understand that at the time. You know, on the weekends, my parents, they threw a lot of parties. People from all over the neighborhood would come over. Mostly gangsters, but you know, a few people, they wasn't gangsters, you know, they were peons. That's what we call somebody that's not a part of the business, right? You know, the men, they shot dice, dominoes, all that there, and the women, they played spades and stuff like that, right? But there was these gangsters, man. There was these dudes that were dressed out all black and blue, and they were all up and down the street. They were making sure they were like running the traffic, making sure that nobody hurt us, nobody got close to us. It was weird, but it was real. It was my normal. But one weekend, man, it was this car that they didn't recognize that turned onto the street. All of a sudden, all the adults, the men, the women, everybody started shooting at the car. The driver and the shooter, they got hit. The car just sit idling in the middle of the street. Just sit there, nothing moving whatsoever. Then the gangsters, you see them, they approaching the car. They being real careful about it. They open the door and pull the two dudes out of the car. Man, you can see gunshots all over them. Their bodies was full of bullets. You feel what I'm saying? They both look dead to me. So my pops and another gangster, they went up there, drug them down the street. They drug these two bodies down the street, threw them in the dumpster, and then set the dumpster on fire. That's my normal, man. That's what I saw. That's what I saw. But then that night, my parents, you know, they sat in the front yard all night with their shotguns and pistols, you know what I'm saying? Ready, like they was waiting on something while I slept in the house. After a few days, everything went back to normal. The streets being full of cars with people looking for drugs and prostitutes. That was my normal, man. That's what I saw. This is what shaped me, man. You feel me? But again, 
I'm a kid. We all were. We didn't understand what was going on. When I turned 10, I stole some weed from my pop stash spot. <laughs> I took it to school and sold it to the other kids, you know, trying to get a little money, all right? Then one of the teachers, they caught me, right? And they were going to turn me in, but they said, look, let me keep that. You ain't got to worry about it. I ain't going to turn you in. So, hmm, I let them keep it. I wasn't tripping. I'm going to go get some more. So when I went back, you know what I'm saying, trying to get some more from my pops, he caught me. He caught me, man, and I was scooped. He had that look in his eyes that scared the hell out of me, like the same look that he had when he shot dude. You know what I mean? So he told me, look here, man. If I ever catch you stealing from me again, I'm going to kick your ass. Now keep in mind, I'm 10 years old, man. I know I was doing wrong, but this is my pops. And he's talking to me like I'm a grown man. You know what I mean? But then right behind that, check this out though, this is what the, what's weird to me. Right behind that, he tells me, look, man, anything you need, you can buy it from me. Huh? Ain't that something? I could buy it from him. So I stood there, man, I'm listening to him and I'm looking at him and I'm standing there and I'm a 10 year old kid. Guess what I did? I pissed on myself. Just like that, I pissed on myself. Yeah. A few days later, I bought my first house from my pops for $80. I made about 250. Twice a week, I got an ounce for pops. $500 a week was pretty good for a 10 year old. You understand what I'm saying? By the time I turned 12, I was making $1,000 a week. It's my money, 12 years old. Going to school, getting it, you know what I'm saying? Going to school, getting it. I don't think that I'm doing anything wrong. Ain't nobody saying nothing about it being wrong. The teachers ain't saying nothing. Some of them buying it from me too. I'm buying it from my pops. Everybody in the neighborhood I'm from is getting it some kind of way. That was my norm. And one day I got careless. I got careless and some vice lords caught me slipping. And they shot me. And they robbed me and left me for dead, man. Left me for dead. I woke up in the hospital room. It was full of gangsters. Everybody around there draped out with bandanas. Everything is going down. The doctors don't know what to do. The room is on lock. It's like I'm the president of the United States. Ain't nobody coming in now. You feel what I'm saying? And then I see moms looking at me. I see moms looking at me with tears in her eyes. And she's like, what happened to my baby? You know what I'm saying? Pops. He leaned down, but he don't lean down to comfort me. Guess what he say? Don't tell the police nothing. That was my normal. I done got shot, left for dead, and what my pops is worrying about is me telling the police the business. That was my normal. So when the police came in, what did I do? What did I do? You know what I did. I told them I ain't seen nothing. I, ain't know, I don't know who did it. Whatever it is, all my answers were known. Pops looked at me and said, you did good. He congratulated me. He congratulated me for lying to the police. So that, to me, even though at the time I didn't know what that was, that was reinforcement. That was positive reinforcement. He's reinforcing the negative behavior that I'm showing. He telling me this is okay. That was my norm, man. Then the doctor came in. He told me that my lungs had collapsed. And the bullet came that close to hitting my spine. That close to hitting my spine, I'd have been in a wheelchair. And what he's worrying about is me talking to the police. So I did what he said. I told him nothing, man. 
after a month in the hospital, you know, they sent me home, man. In three months, I was up and moving around, you know, trying to get, get my legs back under me. You know what I'm saying? After a few months, I was getting stronger and stronger. It took about 15 months for me to fully recover. You know, but during my recovery, every day, every day, gangsters was coming over. These gangsters was my age, though. Young dudes, you know what I'm saying? 12, 13, 14, 15. They was coming over to make sure I had whatever I needed. They went to the store for me. Anything that I needed done, they took care of it for me. Before I got shot, they weren't even hanging around me like that. Every now and then, they were hanging around me like that. It was this one brother named Steve that came over to the house every day. He told me we family. We had to stick together. They ain't never talked to me like that before I got, before I got shot. It was something about getting shot, keeping my mouth shut, that they respected. Now I'm one of them. You feel me? I'm feeling it too. I'm feeling it. You know, I'm growing up around gangsters. So I didn't have the access before I got shot that I was starting to feel. So now I want it. I want it. And the only way that I was going to get it was to become a gangster. That's right. So that night, I asked moms and pops if I could become a gangster. Pops looked at me, asked me why I wanted to do it, why I wanted to be a gangster. I told him because he was. That's what I said. I wanted to be just like him. He smiled and said, okay, I'll arrange it. You know, all that kind of stuff. Moms didn't say a word. She just looked at me. She knew I was lying. She knew I didn't want to be like him. Moms knew me, but she didn't stop it. She's supposed to step in and stop that, y'all. But she didn't. She didn't stop it. Walked on to my room, laid down in the bed, went to sleep. The next morning, Pops woke me up. Early in the morning, said, come on, let's take a ride. When we got to the spot, it was packed. Gangsters everywhere. This was it, y'all. It was about to be go down. I was about to become a gangster. This is it. When I got out of the car, let me keep it real with y'all. My legs were shaking, y'all. I was spooked. I was scared as hell. You feel what I'm saying? But I couldn't turn around. No, not now. I couldn't do that. So Pops walked up to me and said, look, you sure this is what you want? I said, yeah. He pointed to the circle of gangsters and told me to go to him, right? So I'm walking over and I see Steve, right? He's one of them, right? So then all of a sudden, the circle opened up and then they told me to walk in. And then when I walked in, and all of a sudden they rushed me. When they finished, man, I thought it was over with, right? When they finished beating me, I thought it was over with. I couldn't take no more. You know what I'm saying? They told me to get up. And as I struggled to get up, right? Because I was having a hard time. They put hands on me. They did that thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm bleeding a little bit. Everything on me hurting, right? I feel somebody behind me help, help me get up. I looked over my shoulder because I'm spooked at this point. It was Pops. He helped me get up. He whispered in my ass, man, it's almost over. I didn't know what they had left in store for me, but I knew I couldn't take another beating. But this is what I want to point out about that. Because if you paid attention, to what I just told you in relation to that beating. They beating me. These is brothers of mine beating me, potential brothers anyway, people that say they love me, they beating me, they calling me nigga, they doing everything they can, but this is what I learned later on in life. Think about this, what I'm finna say, y'all. 
if it was a white man doing that to me, beating me like that, talking about get up, nigga, it'll be riding in the street. But ain't nobody riding about that when somebody's getting put on in a game. Why not? That was my normal. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. Something's wrong here. Something's wrong here. But I stood there for what, I don't know, it seemed like forever, man. I stood there waiting to see what was going to happen. I'm, I'm expecting them to rush me. I'm expecting some of that, right? But then Steve stepped in front of me. He tell me to repeat after him. And he hit me with these words, right? And it was the oath. It was the oath that you take when you become a gangster. So I'm, I'm repeating everything he said. And just a few seconds ago, I just... These dudes just beat the brakes off of me. But as I was saying those words, I started to feel like I belong to something. I'm somebody. That was my norm. And when I finished saying all the words that he wanted me to say, guess what he did, y'all? This somebody that just beat me. He hugged me. And when he hugged me, his right hand is on my back. And he wrote that G in my back. Just wrote that G in my back, y'all. And then he, bam, he spot popped me like that, right? Guess what he tell me, y'all? Guess what he tell me? He said, welcome to the family, folks. That's what he said. It was done. I was a gangster. Look here, I want to thank y'all for listening and tuning in to this show. Uh, but before I go, I want to leave you with a few words about what you just listened to. Uh, I don't think enough people truly understand or, or for that matter care about, you know, the process that a person goes through to become that monster. But I think it's something that we need to be focusing on because if we get on the front end of these things, then we don't have to worry about creating victims and all this, because we're, we're showing these people, we're showing these people that are living a normal that is not normal, that we care. And until we do that, ain't enough prisons you can build. Ain't enough prisons you can build. Ain't enough intervention programs, ain't enough nothing that you can do if you don't show people that you care for them before they become the monster. Because that's what you're going to have to do. That's what you're going to have to do. And if you do that, then I think that you can start to realize a reality that includes everybody living in a safe environment. We all deserve to live in a safe environment, grow up in a peaceful way to where we care about each other, not looking at us and turning us against each other so that we hate each other. We even hate what we look like. We hate the skin that we're in. And we're willing to kill each other for a street that we don't own for a color that means nothing. We have to start caring about people on the front end, y'all. And that's what I'm trying to make people understand with what I'm talking about, right? But again, I want to thank you for tuning in to this episode. And I hope that you listen to the next episode and continue to feel to, to, to listen and understand so that you can get a better feel for where Chris is coming from. I got another episode coming up about it, and it's gonna be another super blockbuster just like this one i hope you tune in thank you this has been another episode of doing time with joe and i say peace y'all